Welcome into another edition of Ask the Experts. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dave Callender, and with me on the show today, I'm back for his second time around. We had so much fun the last time. Faisal Walla is with us, Canada's top real estate agent, and that's not just hyperbole. That, that, we have the, the numbers to back that up. Faisal's with us today from Remax Twin City Realty, and as you listen to the show today, uh, go online and find out more at homeshack.com. Faisal, thanks so much for being with us again. Thanks for having me, David. Uh, very glad to have you back. Uh, the last time you were with us, uh, we were talking about some exciting developments that we're going to get to. There's a, there is a book coming out very soon. But before we do that, for folks who didn't hear you on the last show, maybe you can just give us a, a brief bit of background of how, why, why is it that we're telling everyone you're the top real estate agent in Canada? Well, I wasn't always the top agent. I, I started in this business 32 years ago at the age of 18 while I was still in high school. And uh, after being rejected by uh, a couple of companies, a, a gentleman gave me an opportunity to, to work with him and be mentored by him. And here we are 32 years later. Uh, I've, I've, I've learned a lot. I've failed a lot. And I'm hoping to share some of my experiences. Now, it's interesting that you say you, you failed a lot. Uh, they, they say failure is a great teacher. Would you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. 100%. That is, and you know what? It's what you do with those failures that will really create what you do next. So uh, you've done a lot of doing next all the way up to, to becoming a, a billion dollar real estate broker. Is that accurate? Yes, I've, uh, well, we've compiled the, my career sales. So combined, I'm just over $3 billion in sales uh, career. Yeah. Wow. All right. So uh, we, we might as well talk about the book then because it is coming out very soon. On the last show, we mentioned that you've got a book call, coming out called The Real Deal. I didn't know what the subtitle for the book was then, but now I do. And it is The Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. And it is absolutely true. That's that's amazing. Can, can we? Can, I know that we're recording video for this for your your website. Can we see the book? Oh yes, absolutely. So got a copy of it here. So basically, it's just uh, chronicles my journey as uh, you know, starting out as a teenager, having no car, um, walking down to a real estate office, knocking on the door, and saying, "Hey, I've got a license. Can I get a job?" And um, from that point on, the experiences that I've had, the lessons that I've learned, um, I've created um, a business model. I've created systems. I've created um, exit strategy, and I've also created a method of investing, which is uh, now more than ever very important for uh, the people that are listening, including myself, because we need to create something that we can leave as a legacy for our children in times that it's getting more and more difficult to enter the real estate market. Absolutely. And so we want to mention that the book is, you've got a release date now. It's coming out on September the 10th. Yes, I do. Yeah, very excited about that. It'll be on uh, Amazon and there is a registration page that we have set up as well. Okay, so if people are really eager and they want to like reserve a copy now, they can go to therealdealbook.ca, correct? That's correct. Yes. And just register on that and we'll be sure to make sure we uh, reserve a copy or have a link ready for them to uh, order. There will be an audio version as well and an ebook version as well. So all will be available through Amazon and through other platforms as well. Oh, very good. I, I assume you are the one narrating the audiobook version. 
I, I, I'm going to regretfully say no. I, I just did not have the opportunity to sit down at, uh, for 14 hours and, and record, not during this season. Now, I have been working on this book for the past five years. And finally, this year, uh, unintended consequences of COVID and taking time off, I was really able to, uh, to spend the time and put it together and compile it and I've got the uh, framework all done, and now we're into publishing. Well, that's very exciting. We look forward to that again coming up on September the 10th. So uh, you mentioned, of course, uh, that it is an odd time, and it's been an odd time for you know every industry, including yours. Uh, just briefly tell us what has been going on and what is the housing market like in Kitchener-Waterloo at the moment? So the whole, you know, Waterloo region, including Cambridge, um, uh, Guelph, uh, and all the rural areas are experiencing a boom in the market right now. And look, you know, we, we experienced this in 2017. And after 2017, there was a little bit of a hiccup towards the end into 2018, where there were government restrictions, uh, Canada Mortgage Housing implemented stress tests. So it did sort of, you know, flatten the market a little bit. And we thought coming out of 2017, wow, we'll never see those days again. We'll never see homes with 12 and 15 multiple offers coming in at a time um, and homes selling for 100 and $150,000 above asking. Then COVID happens. We are virtually in a pause, in a shutdown for two months. And you know, in the media and everywhere you turn, it was like sales are down 22%, values are gonna drop. And Within our local region, I'm pleased to say for all the people that have worked so hard to buy homes and invest in properties and all the blood, sweat and tears and the years of investment is starting to finally pay off. I've always maintained that the Waterloo region is the most thriving region probably in Ontario or arguably in Canada on the 401 corridor that never experienced the type of growth that it really deserved. Um, and what we're seeing now is de-urbanization, people leaving Toronto, Milton, Mississauga, Oakville, Burlington, saying, I don't wanna be in a 500 square foot uh, condo. God forbid there's another uh, outbreak or a shutdown and I can't even open a window or go on a balcony and there's no shared amenity space that's available. I'm sharing elevators, I'm sharing uh, HVAC systems and breathing air from other units. So what people want today is uh, the ability to work from home have their virtual cottage in their backyard, or at least have a backyard, um, have spaces within their home where a bedroom or an office can be created uh, to work from. And the financial benefits on this is that A, they're saving money, they're leaving areas that are very, very expensive. You know, you just go um, 35, 40 minutes east of Cambridge and our region, and you're into 35 to 40% higher real estate values. So it makes a lot of sense for people to look at this. Then if they can work from home, they can give up their, maybe give up a vehicle, uh, save on gas, maintenance, insurance, car payments, and put that towards a home. And that's what we're seeing happening. And because of that, there's a lack of inventory and we're seeing pent up demand and that's going to continue driving our market. And because there, there is so much demand uh, at the moment, that means that for folks who are thinking about selling a home, it's, it's a great time for them to get the absolute top dollar. 
But even at the, at the best of times in a normal market, trying to figure out what you should list your price, your, your home price at is, is always a bit of a puzzle. But even now, I, I'd expect it's even, even more complicated. How do you help your clients set a listing price in today's market? Right. So, so I'm going to address the first part of that question is um, the it's a great time to sell. Yes, because you're getting top, top dollar. But remember, if you're going to turn around and buy again, you're going to pay top, top dollar and you're going to be in the same situation as the buyer is where there's no inventory, there's multiple offers happening, um, you know, how are you gonna enter? So there are some strategies that have to be implemented. You need a strong consultant or agent or someone on your side to say, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna buy first, I've got your back on the sale. I've got a guaranteed sales program that I offer my sellers so that they know that they can go confidently and buy a home without the worry of, being stuck with two mortgages. So number one, if you're going to enter the market on the buy side, make sure you've got backup or you've got financing or something set up or someone's guaranteed you that they're going to be able to back you up in the event the home does not sell. Now, mind you, we haven't had that issue happen in this market, but again, that you've got to be cautious. Now, pricing your home right, that is the key. Our traditional way of pricing where, you know, you started at a higher price, somebody came in with a lower price and you met somewhere in the middle, that's gone. Those days are gone and we probably won't see those days until we see uh, an increase in supply and in inventory. Um, when you've got 10 or 12 buyers for every listing that's out there and, you know, if you visit my social media pages on Instagram and whatnot, you'll see each day I'm posting how much above asking and how many offers I received on each property that I'm listing. So what, what I said earlier, we are getting a market buyer from GTA and areas where they're used to bidding. And it's interesting, the conversation I have with the local buyers, hey Faisal, you're asking $500,000 for this listing. What do you think I can get it for? The conversation I have with the GTA buyer, Faisal, you're asking $500,000 for this home. How much more do I need to pay to get this home? And that's you know great conversation to have when you're on the listing side, not so good on the buying side. So when I set a value or a price on the home, there's an asking price and then there's a target price. In the old days, we would have an asking price and we're like, well, if we get $20,000 less than what we're asking, we're happy. Today, we, I may ask $500,000 for a home with a target of getting five fifty dollars for that home because I know that there's no inventory in the marketplace and I know that the buyers who are coming into this marketplace are accustomed to purchasing in that manner. So I set a date. If I listed a home on a Monday, I plan on presenting offers one week from that Monday, allowing showings throughout that week and marketing throughout that week. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. I'm Dave Callender. My guest, Faisal Susie Walla, Canada's top real estate agent with Remax Twin City Realty. Find out more online at homeshack.com or give them a call at 519-624-5555. And we do want to tell you, remember, Faisal's book, The Real Deal, uh, the story of a billion-dollar real estate broker, is coming out on September 10th. You'll find it on Amazon and also at therealdealbook.ca. Before the break, we were talking about uh, setting a listing price and uh, how you do that in today's market. And, of course, part of that 
has always normally been having showings of a house. And I, I know from talking to other real estate folks uh, that they've only been doing virtual showings of the house, but you're actually having people come through. How, how are you able to do that when people are, are still a little reticent to, to get outside in public? So we've got safety protocols in place and we have procedures in place. Look, the virtual tour idea is absolutely magnificent. And I've been doing that for over 10 years. Uh, videos, floor plans, interactive 3D design, 3D, 3D virtual tours. Um, all of that is available. It's always been available. Unfortunately, many realtors are only now adapting to that way of marketing. Um, but those of us who had adapted to that early on um, are thriving in this market because we already had the infrastructure. Now, Virtual tours are a great way of getting interest and understanding the property and sort of vetting what, whether or not that's going to be the property that you want to really go and see. The actual walkthrough is still paramount. It's still required. And without that walkthrough, no buyer is going to be able to make an informed decision and feel that they're, they're buying something that... Um, you know, they've put some thought into and it's a feel a home is still a very subjective um, you, you know you feel the energy of that home you feel the uh, the, the sense and and the neighborhood and and all of those things are so important to making that decision so we ask people to fill out a form stating you know that they haven't been exposed and they haven't been out of the country and you know we're following all the government protocols on that um, we ask that the uh, visits be limited to no more than two people plus the realtor so that's three individuals walking through a home we ask the realtor to make sure that they're the ones that are touching the surfaces and then wiping them or disinfecting them as they walk through and just minimizing we ask sellers to make sure they leave some of the doors open the closets open and that type of thing so we can peek in without having to you know touch doorknobs and that type of thing so when you follow those protocols um you know as safely as we can we're being able to uh show those properties and we limit that and especially with this whole situation we have with lack of inventory we can set a timeline and say we're only going to have showings this one week and we're so it's not an ongoing process for weeks and weeks and weeks and there again it's so important to price your home right remember it's not what you ask it's what you get so if you can ask a price that will create interest, create a buzz in the market. I by no means am suggesting that if your home is really worth 550, you ask 400 for it. I'm saying if it's worth 550, and we know that in the marketplace today, people are accustomed to paying 25, 50 or $75,000 above asking. Well then set your ask below the target and reach for that target. And who knows, you may be pleasantly surprised and you may get three or 4% even above your target price. Absolutely. And another traditional part of, of setting a listing price has been to have uh, a home appraiser come and appraise the house. Is that still happening these days? It, it's kind of, um, so as, as realtors, we are doing the assessment. We're doing a market value assessment. We're showing comparables and we're creating a, a package where we can say, well, these are the homes that sold on your street. These are the homes that sold on the market. These are the homes that are currently listed. Um, at that point, we can give them a market value. The appraiser comes in after the fact, during the financing period, from 
the bank's side to make sure that the buyer has not overpaid. And these days, appraisers are having to work very hard to get caught up on recent sales because I can assure you, if a, if a, a semi-detached so, sold a month ago for 475, this month it's gonna be 500,000. So they've gotta really look at what happened, not last month, but what happened last week or yesterday. Wow, they have to really, really be on top of things then. So uh, what are some of the other things that you take into account when you're setting that initial listing price? Well, we're looking at the condition of the home. We're looking at, um, are there improvements needed? Um, and, you know, I'm not one to ask people to go and revamp their entire home and put granite countertops and change things because you have to look at what are the items that have a return on that investment. And if those items you're doing, like you could go in and put this beautiful countertop and spend $10,000 doing it. And, and someone walks in and says, I hate that color. Like, what? so don't do it just to sell the home. Make it clean, make it neat, declutter. Uh, I'm not a big fan of staging and, and all the stagers out there are going to hate me for saying that, but I'm not a big fan. What I'm a big fan of is decluttering. Show the space. When you can show the space, the buyer will be able to imagine their items in that home. Okay, that, 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 that answers the question I had in my head, which is, why wouldn't you stage the home? It seems that everyone does that, but you, you've got a different idea. And I guess, I, I guess that does make sense. Well, you, you know what? Okay, there is a place for staging, but most people have created a home. It's not just a house, it's their home. They've created items that work with that home. Now, there are times that I walked into a home and the furniture is not scaled properly to the room, or there's just something really eclectic, for lack of a better term, about their furnishings, and you need to sort of bring it a little bit more mainstream. At that point, I will absolutely hire a stager, more maybe as a consultant to come in and say, let's try to work with the things that these people have, and just let's create uh, that, that, that feel that they want without saying, hey, you've got an oval table, let's put a square table there. Let's work, let's minimize the cost, let's increase the return, and let's minimize the inconvenience that one is going to have. Let's face it, there's no inventory in the marketplace right now. If your home is structurally sound, shows relatively well, it's gonna sell. So don't beat yourself up about having it 100% right on because you're gonna get top dollar regardless because there's no inventory in the market right now. Welcome back to Ask the Experts. I'm Dave Callender. My guest, back with us this time from REMAX Twin City Realty, it's Canada's top real estate agent. Honestly, Faisal Suziwala is with us. Uh, find out more online as you listen to the show today. Go to homeshack.com or give them a call, 519-624-5555. If you've just joined us uh, in the previous break, we were talking about some of the things that people should be doing to prepare their home to go to market and there is many opinions about what you should do to your home is there there are homes it seems but uh since you are the top real estate agent we're going to trust you what are some of the things that you do to help your clients prepare their homes so i come in more as a consultant to say okay here's what we need to do to get your home ready number one number one item is declutter once you've done the declutter and and look if you've got a garage pack it, pull it to the rafters, get it out of your living space. Remember, there's three individuals walking together. They don't want to be tripping over your stuff and they don't want to be tripping over each other. They want that space. So, you know, create that space by decluttering. Number two, 
look at the things that absolutely need to be done. So, you know, if, if it's paint, um, nicks and scratches and walls that need to be corrected, do, do those things. I'm not recommending going in and doing complete renovations unless there's an area that absolutely needs it. What I'm doing for my clients is I'm saying, okay, I want to make my job easier to present this home. I want to make sure that they get the top dollar. I want to basically eliminate all of those negative things that people are going to feel. So if you walk in and you see, uh, you know, uh, dirty baseboards or um, a cracked window or uh, a deck that needs some massive repair, well, let's address those items. And, and often, as homeowners have you know, been working away at paying down their mortgage, they don't have the cash to go ahead and do that work. And that's why you know, a roof may be in need of repair. So what I've offered my clients is up to $25,000, interest-free, without any payments, up to three months from the time that we list the home, because I know and I'm confident that I'm gonna be able to sell their home for top dollar when all of these items have been corrected, that's going to put more money into their pocket. And what I'm doing is I'm giving them that free loan until the closing date. So when the home sells, I'll get my money back. They now have a higher return than they would have. And all of us benefit from that partnership. And this is very important that when you're choosing a realtor, you want someone that's going to come in and become your partner in the sale, not just someone that's trying to sell your home and, and that's the end of their story. And, and that's how I look at marketing the home as well. I'm looking at it as if it's my home, what do I need to do to create the best environment to get the top dollar for my seller? Now, you, in our last segment, you mentioned people who with eclectic tastes. And I'm, I, just, I, I guess I'm wondering, what happens when you, you, you join up with a client who does have a very eclectic home? Maybe they, they have hot pink carpeting in one room or something like that. Do you, is that the sort of thing you recommend getting changed or, or is it just like that? No, that's part of your personality. Um, no, I, if there's something really extreme, I will recommend, look, and, and, you know, and I talk about, we become partners. If we're going to become partners, we have to be honest with each other. And I've got to be able to say, look, Hey, I may love this color and I may love what you've done with your home, but the mainstream purchaser, today's buyer, and this is where knowing who your buyer is, is so important. You've got to cater to them and neutralizing. I'm not saying, you know, go ahead and change everything up, but just neutralize it, make it a little bit more mainstream so that someone can envision themselves in that home. And they're not walking in and instantly saying, Oh my goodness, what, what have you done with this? And remember today, people are looking and make getting a first impression based on what they see on virtual tours. They see something really awful. That's not resonating with them. They're not even going to visit your home. All right, so we've got a lot of the do's. What are some of your absolute don'ts when uh, preparing a home for sale? Well, some of the don'ts is like, don't uh, overthink the renovation part of it. So, you know, don't go in and say, well, I hate this color of hardwood. I'm going to put another color of hardwood. And I talked about granite earlier. Um, if you've got a countertop that's clean and neat, don't go out and spend money on putting new granite there because you might see it on curbside the day after closing. And there you're going to be really disheartened. So those are some of the things that I don't recommend. And I mentioned staging. Take staging with a grain of salt. Don't go and stage your entire home because, in, and I'm speaking in today's market, there's no inventory out there. 
So you can get away with doing less. Now, if you have a completely vacant home or something that really, or it's very small and it, or there's that special room in the house that you can't figure out what to do with it, bring in a stager, bring in a consultant. I often bring in a staging consultant as opposed to bringing in all kinds of new furniture. Just someone who can walk in and say, you know what, let's use the stuff that you have, but let's just rearrange it. Let's just move this chair in that corner and let's make this area a library. And maybe let's stage a bedroom that's just vacant as an office so that someone can imagine that if they're going to be working from home, that's a great space for them to work from. Before we move on from this topic, is there anything else uh, that you want to share with listeners about preparing your home to go to market? So concentrate on landscaping, you know, your front, front door, right from your, you know, the, the curb to your front door is very important because that's going to set the tone of what they're about to see. If they're walking in, you see weeds and your front door hasn't been painted and there, there's cobwebs or, you know, whatever there might be, like create a, an inviting environment so that the, they're in a positive frame of mind. If right away they see uh, disrepair on the outside of your home, they're going to really scrutinize what's on the inside. So, I guess my next question then, you, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of times that there isn't much inventory out there. So you're probably going to get top dollar, but still, you want to reach the right buyer for your home. How, how do you help your clients ensure that they find that buyer? So I have a very unique marketing strategy, which allows me to reach an audience. I have a, a strong social media following on Instagram. It's at Faisal Suziwala and on Facebook as well. But in addition to that, I have Twitter, LinkedIn, Google ads. What I'm doing is creating um, a platform where information is readily available. And when you have a following, people are going to follow your listings, follow the, follow the uh, information that you're providing on your site. I take that one step further. I, I've researched where my buyers are coming from and I'm getting my listings in front of people that typically wouldn't even see that home. How do I do that? Retargeting. We're retarget marketing using the social media platforms, using Google. I'm also getting in front of realtors that are outside of my local region and how I'm doing that is I've become a member of the boards which are outside of my local market and I'm cooperating with agents out there and I'm inviting them to bring their clients to our market. Why? Because they bring more money and I want my sellers to get more money. So I, I could say, look, I'm going to keep these listings exclusive and I'll cut you a really good deal on the commission. But guess what? You're getting less money because you didn't expose it to markets who are accustomed to paying more money for a home that looks exactly like yours. In fact, I have an ad that runs in Milton and Mississauga, which shows a picture of a home and it says, drive 35 minutes, save $350,000. Who's not gonna click that, on that? Yeah, that sounds very effective, I certainly would. Uh, is there any other things that you're doing to help your, your uh, clients? So it's, um, it's, it's all based on marketing. It's based on marketing, but it's also taking an interest in every showing that's happening on that home, facilitating it, and offering people who are unable to get there to 
alternatives on how we could create uh, a situation where it makes it easy. Maybe that the realtor in Toronto can't drive down today and show this property. Well, we're happy to show it for them. My, it's my listing, my signs on the front lawn. I, I want to show your home. No one's better equipped to sell your home than your own agent is. So let them show that property. Absolutely. And uh, I, I guess I'm wondering to myself, you said that you get on the boards in other places in Ontario. How many of those boards are, are you sitting on to, uh, to help your clients? Sorry, so I, I should clarify that. What I mean is that, so every, so we have the uh, KW and Cambridge Real Estate Board. So that's where right. we local listings. So I will actually list my listings on TREB, Toronto Real Estate Board, on Brampton Real Estate Board. That catches Oakville, Brampton, Milton, Mississauga, Malton. Um, and then the realtors in those marketplaces have access to the full listing that a local board member, a Cambridge Real Estate Board member, or a KW or a Guelph Real Estate Board member has. They don't have to call me and say, hey, can you send me the full listing? I don't have to because it's already on your board. And I've already shown a level of cooperation so that agent isn't apprehensive about trying to work with me because they know I'm going to cooperate with them. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's good thinking and uh, it makes you wonder why, why more real estate agents don't do that. Is it a fairly widespread practice? Yeah, it actually isn't a widespread practice at all. Number one reason, cost. But Sellers are paying a handsome amount of money to sell their home. I acknowledge that. I need to give them value. And the value isn't just how much money I'm spending. It's how much more money can I get you for your home by using effective marketing strategies and reaching an audience that normally would not learn about your home. And that's where we as realtors or anyone in any service industry needs to provide value. Today more than ever, people don't need to be sold anymore. They need information. And you need to get that information into the right hands so that you can benefit from that. And that's the sort of tip that someone who is just starting out would, would love to get. And you, you mentioned, of course, that when you started out, you had a great mentor. Uh, and now you've got your book coming out for, for people who are just starting out when, if they pick up a copy of the real deal, are they going to find tips like that inside? They're going to find everything. You know, it's, it's one thing to um, tell somebody, Hey, this is how I started and here's where I am today. But it's a completely different experience when you can tell them what your, what your journey was and what the stops were along that journey, and what you experienced, and how you handled those experiences, and what did you learn from those experiences. And what I've tried to do in this book is really, it's a tell-all. Um, it talks about everything from the highs to the lows, um, and just creating um, an environment where I can have uh, a business model that will not only work for me, but other people, and survive me right through retirement. And that's kind of what I've tried to put together in the book. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Ask the Experts. I'm Dave Callender, and my guest is Faisal Suziwala, Canada's top real estate agent with Remax Twin City Realty in Cambridge, online at homeshack.com, and give them a call at 519-624-5555. In our last segment, we were talking a lot about uh, finding the right buyer and all the things that Faisal does to help market your home, to get it in front of as many different people as possible, the right people. And now we're getting to ourselves a situation where 
they start making the offers. And we want to, I know most home sellers want to create a situation where they're getting multiple offers to get the highest price. How do you make sure that they get those offers? So yeah, we've created a, a buzz on the property now. We've created this environment where we're going to get multiple offers. So a couple of things happen. So I'll walk you through the steps. Monday morning, we list the property. We allow showings to happen for one full week until the following Monday. Now throughout that week, there is a chance that someone will say, well, that's fine and well. I don't want to wait till next week, Monday. I'm going to give you what's called a bully offer or a preemptive offer as known in the industry. That means you're asking $500,000 for your home. I'm going to give you 525 cash, no conditions. Will you take my offer? We've got a target set and maybe our target is 550. So I will present that offer to my seller because I'm obligated to do so. But I'll also recommend to my seller that we've still got another 12 showings on your home. So let's let's let it ride until next week on Monday and see what other offers come in. However, if the offer is 575, it is $50,000 or $25,000 higher than what we were expecting. We may want to consider that offer because those folks may not come back a week from now. So in those situations, we still go back to everyone that has seen the home to date, anyone who is scheduled to see the home in the future and say, hey, we've just changed the rules on this thing. We're looking at offers at 7 p.m. tonight. So you've got four hours to get your offer in. So it is, you know, we are obligated to advise people so that they have a fair chance. And remember, you're acting fairly for your seller as well. You don't want them to lose that money, but you also want to make sure that you didn't leave money on the table by somebody maybe would have paid 585 for that home. So that happens. Now, if we wait the full week and we come to the Monday, I have a set timeline, 5 p.m. Monday evening. I always put in my listing that the seller has the right to decline any offer at their sole discretion. In the old days, you know, a realtor may have implied that, hey, if I get you 500,000, you're asking 500,000, you've got to take that offer. That never was true, nor is it true at this point. You can decline an offer of 750,000 even if you're asking 500. So let's, let's be clear on that. Let's just say, again, we're asking 500. The first offer comes in at 500. The second offer comes in at 510. The third offer comes in at 540. And the fifth offer comes in at 550. The buyers do not know what each other's offers are. You as the realtor and the, and the seller knows what all five offers are. Now, typically, a realtor will say, that's great. We hit our target. We got our 550. Woohoo, we're done. But there might be some contingencies in that offer. There may be a condition on financing, a condition on inspection, a condition on I need to sell my home. So don't always look at the price. Look at the terms of the offer. If the 550 has conditions and the 540 doesn't, but that's the best offer you've got, well, go back to all offers except for the best one that is acceptable to you and ask them to do better until someone hits your target price with no conditions. Always keep one offer in play. You don't want to give all five of them back because you may have none of them come back to you. So you want to keep the one in play that has the best terms. From my perspective, my rule is that if a buyer is going to make an offer, bring a bank draft. If you don't bring a bank draft, that offer is not worth the paper it's written on. Because tomorrow morning, somebody can wake up and say, oh my goodness, what was I thinking last night when I offered $50,000 over asking? I'm not going to bring a check. 
guess what? No money, no deal. You have to have a bank draft or something that's negotiable on the table with that offer. And I have suggested to my sellers that if there are two offers that are close and maybe the one is slightly less than the one that has the bank draft, and if it's hit your target price, you should probably consider taking it because we have seen and heard nightmares from 2017 where offers just got accepted and no bank drafts or no deposits were showing up the following day. That's, that's a good point. And it was one I was thinking of asking you is, uh, are there other situations where you might not take the top offer? You'll take another one because you feel more comfortable with it. Oh, it happens all the time. And, you know, you, you know, I get yelled at by realtors all the time saying, hang on, I had an offer for 560000 Why did you take five fifty? Number one, they had a bank draft. Number two, they had no conditions in the offer whatsoever. Whereas the five sixty came in with conditional inspection, conditional on financing, no bank draft. I still have to sell my home. I still got to make sure my mom and dad say it's okay. Well, all of those things are going to make your offer weak. So as a buyer, get your ducks in a row before you submit an offer. Go to the bank, get a draft. If you're not sure about the home and you feel you need to get a home inspection, do it during that week before the presentation of the offer. If you're not sure you're gonna get your financing, talk to the bank first. Don't make offers and then say, well, now let's see if I've got enough income or if my credit score is good enough to get that uh, qualified uh, approval from the bank. Banks are tougher right now. You've gotta get all of the information taken care of before you submit an offer. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. You're exposing yourself and others to unnecessary COVID. And these are all the things that you need to make sure that you're not putting yourself or other people in a situation uh, where there's not going to be an end result that's positive for you. All right, so we've, we've looked at all the offers. Uh, we've decided we're, we're gonna take this one. What happens next? So once the offers have uh, once the offers have been looked at, you accept the offer. Um, the paperwork gets processed. It goes to the solicitor. Now remember, um, even if it's a cash offer, the bank may still need to send an appraiser. So don't be surprised if you get a call uh, a week before closing date saying, "Hey, the bank needs to come in." I get that call all the time. We've been putting those clauses in our offers now, saying you do acknowledge as a seller that the bank may still want to send an appraiser. That doesn't mean they didn't have financing. It just means the bank is verifying the home and the valuation and whatnot. So that does happen. Lawyers handle the closing of the transaction. So as far as the relationship with myself and my seller, I'm there on a support level right throughout and even after the closing. But the lawyer handles all of the accounting, all of the closing, all of the discharges. So paying off the bank and paying off any liens that may be on the property and transferring the deed and registering the deed and taking care of uh, commissions and taking care of uh, mortgage payments and paying out conditional sales contracts. All of that is handled by the lawyer's office. Um, so at that and then the lawyer will, of course, get in touch with the seller or the buyer, depending on who they're representing, to make sure they come in. And, well, these days we're doing all of that virtually as well. And I, I should mention that often, in, especially in these times, we're not personally sitting down with the seller or buyer anymore. Everything is being done 
uh, through uh, DocuSign or electronic signatures. Um, often I will do a Zoom call with my sellers just so that we can have some interaction and show them the offers. Um, but as an agent, it is my responsibility to keep all the documentation share all the documentation with the seller because they need to make again an informed decision with my recommendation well it sounds like uh people are in good hands when they're with you faisal so that you you know all the ins and outs you you literally wrote the book on them and as we finish up the show today we just do want to mention because i, I think it's very exciting it's coming out on september 10th that your book is on the way called the Real Deal, the Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker, and people can find that uh, com coming up September 10th on Amazon, or get more information at therealdealbook.ca, and I wish you all the success with it. Uh, you're going to have to tell us how things go. Thank you so much, Dave. I really appreciate that. If you'd still like to get more information, there's lots of ways you can do it. You're going to find Faisal Suziwala on all of the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, and of course, you can find him online at homeshack.com or give his office in Cambridge a call at 519-624-5555. Thanks for listening. Join us again next weekend for more of Ask the Experts here on 570 News.